Hello, welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. It is uh, good for us to be together like this. We wanted to do this a little differently this morning in that welcome. That's the first thing we want to say. We're glad everybody's here. And also share just a couple of the announcements at the front because we want to end this morning with a, uh, with a special thought as we're leaving this room of worship. And uh, so the Two things you need to most immediate need to be thinking about is that I think steadfast and committed life are both going out to eat as uh, your, your small life point Bible study groups. Pastor Roger, where are you guys going? Okay, don't be thinking about that now. You've got a little bit of time so that happens. Brad, where's committed life going this day? All right, so depending on your age, and if you don't like one or the other, you can maybe sneak in with the other group. I don't know how that works. But uh, those are the two most pressing things. If you are uh, you know, have desire to go uh, and with that small group, please do. That would be vitally important. Is this microphone on? Must just be me. All right. So let's have a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to bless our time together. It's, it's vitally important that we meet like this. Why is that? You know, Jesus said he would build his church. That's what we're doing right now. Let him build you. Let him build his church. Be here on purpose. Let's bow. Lord, we love you today. Thankful so much that you haven't forgotten us. You haven't left us alone. We tend to step away from you in our heart of hearts. But you're... Immutable. You, you don't change. You don't move. Thank you for being the one constant in our life in a world that's ever changing. So bless our efforts today. May we have the energy to sing, the, the voice. Uh, maybe some of us are heavy hearted today and, and you change that mindset. It doesn't mean you take things away all the time. Sometimes you do, but other times you want to go through life with us no matter where we are. So bless this effort. We want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ today. We want to invite you, Holy Spirit, into this building and to have your will and way within our lives that we would be well-pleasing to you. Again, we want to put a smile on your face today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Would you stand with the praise team this morning? Get my music set here. I need a wider stand, so. Let's worship our Savior this morning. Our God, burn foundation, our God, you're solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdom. Forever. Yeah. 
I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I'd like to read a couple of verses from the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3, says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Are you looking for the right path today? Are you lacking peace? I don't know about you, but when I look around in the world, I see a lot of people who are looking for peace. They're trying to find their way. And for us here in this building, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for the way of truth, looking for the way of the Lord, trust in him. Trust in Jesus Christ. As we collect this offering Let's pray that God will enlighten the path to others, to true peace, to true hope, to true love through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the light and the, the lamp that it is for us. It lights our way. Your word is truth. Your word is what sustains us, guides us, and directs us. Help us to be light and salt in this world, to point others to the true path of peace and love through Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we pay a lot of money in our daily lives, church even, uh, in <clears throat> security. There's some, we like to be secure in our property and our persons and all these things. And um, I think I don't have to set that up too much i could give an example of how secure we like to be at, at this church even we have a an alarm system and uh we set i set the every morning i'll turn it off every night i'll reset the alarm and sometimes people come uh throughout the day so what i'll do is uh, i turn the alarm off in the morning and especially if i know someone's coming well somebody i'm not saying who and they're not even looking at me right now but somebody in this room happened to come in the alarm's already off and in an effort to turn the alarm off turn the alarm on so when the alarm goes off the company that secures our, our facility they call me first because they used to just call directly union township police department and i had to put a kibosh to that because i was getting phone calls at 2 a.m when a moth would fly in front of one of our cameras and I would have to come up here and uh, they would run my ID and all this to make sure I was who I was. It's so crazy how far we'll go in security. In fact, sometimes, one time, uh, an officer, uh, when they got here, I, I beat them here uh, when the alarm dropped. And um, they thought I maybe was uh, the B&E guy. Uh, so they ran me the whole nine yards. I've had another officer go, oh, the alarm again? Didn't even get out of the car. So... Uh, but 
I'll tell you how much we like security. We like that. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But that day, the alarm was, was going off. So now I rearrange to where the company calls me first. They call me. And they'll say, we have an entry in the, they go through a big, long spiel. I'm so-and-so, and the control, and they go, big, long talking points. It sounds like they're in another country, so there's a little bit of a language barrier, and they're running through a talking list, and I'm trying to, because I already know what's going on. And then I, um, if I hear that it's, it's a front door entry, I know that, ah, somebody came in through the front door, no need to worry, that means they had a key. And if I hear a side door, I'll know if I need to send for the police or not. So I get a phone call. And they're running down their talking points, and I give them my passcode. Disregard, no problem. Three minutes later, I get another code. I get another call from the same company. And I'm trying to stop the lady saying, hang, wait, wait. They do their talking points. And I share with them, give them my passcode. It's okay. Disregard the alarm. Do not send the police department. I get a third call from the same company. I'm a little perturbed. As a Baptist, we don't get angry. We just get perturbed. I was perturbed. This is the third time you've called, and it, everything's okay. Why do you keep calling? In fact, I said, after they went through their talking spiel, I said, I, I'm certain you're being, I'm being recorded for quality assurance. So whoever's listening to this, I'll let you know that you don't need to call three times when I disregard it two other times. Um, but we like security. We need to be secure. Got it. We love it. We, uh, in fact, in our homes, now uh, the ring doorbells become just everybody's got this now. And whether somebody else from the ring company is watching you or not, I can't confirm or deny. But it gives us a sense of security. We like security. Back in the day, we used to have safety security boxes in the bank. Remember those things? Does anybody even use those anymore? Now uh, we have our home safe. Everything's at home and we're bolted to the ground and we are safe. We like everything in a very safe environment. We value security. Think about your spiritual life for just a moment. Do you value security? This morning I had been thinking about a text throughout the week. And I was, um, I was like, I want to really teach this certain text. And I was debating on it. And even as late as yesterday, I was debating, still debating on it. Then um, I thought, you know what, I am, because I, I, I'm going to share this. And then it morphed into a topic. This message is actually from a series of messages that I first developed and shared in 2010. Now, it's been shared before. It is a doctrine of our church. It's called eternal security. And now, you may think, well, we, we got it. I already, I'm moving on. Why, why are you going over this again? Well, that's equivalent to you saying, well, you put a lock on your door. You're good. You never need to check it. No, you're always checking to make sure you're secure. And it gives you a level of comfort as well. Can I say to you today? That when you think about your eternal life, if you don't know that it's sured up, sealed, and secured, how comfortable are you in it? You're always going to be waiting for the failure to come. Why the doctrine of eternal security? You may think, well, it's a, it, 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 that's a Baptist thing. It is not a Baptist thing. It's a Bible thing. 
Uh, one of my favorite pastor teachers, one of them from yesteryear is uh, Charles Stanley. And he said this, you, you, until you understand, believe, and live the doctrine or the truth of eternal security, joy will elude you. I've had friends, I've grown up in church as well, churches, I should say, of yesteryear, that didn't embrace or even want to touch this doctrine. You know what I found? That ultimately they would claim we're going to work our way and our holiness is going to get us to God, our holiness once in, in me, and it's, it's going to be a beautiful thing. You know what I found about those people? They were always living a fearful life. A fearful that I'm going to lose something. I'm not going to be in God's good graces. What you're going to see today from the Bible is that when God does a work, he does it completely. Completely. Not halfway. He doesn't get you halfway there. He's going to bring it on home. You're going to, you may think, well, eternal security, that doctrine, that could isolate and offend some. Let me take that off the table. The Bible's offensive all by itself. Don't worry about that. Why this? Why are we teaching this? Because it's what, it's the truth of God's word. And that's it. I don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. It's the truth of God's word. It's going to give you today, if you will understand and embrace what the Bible has today, you're going to leave here Let me, my hope is that you leave here confident. My hope is that you leave here secure. My hope is that you leave here walking with the Lord, knowing that he's got you no matter what. But you still may need to be broken. So my hope today is that we get right before our God. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, 38, and 39. Um, this is great on a, a Christian card. You want a card of encouragement? Great verse to write. It's great verse to put as a motto for a church. We think about the goodness that got great verse for that. Can I tell you what it's better for? The magnitude and the size of love that our God has for us. Romans 8, 37 through 39. It must be important, impactful three verses for me, because at the end of my notes where I wrote Romans 8, 37 to 39, I wrote, wow, with an exclamation mark. So that usually tells me that's how this verse, these verses need to be read. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing, created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. What can separate you is what Paul is, is running through a pretty long list here of examples after example of what can separate you. And you see the contrast and the compare and contrast. But ultimately the topic is what is able to separate you from the love of God. We think we love, we, we, don't, we don't have it. We have these tender moments. I like tender moments uh, that, with each other, emotional moments, and those are great. And some of them are motivated by love, but nothing compares to the love that he has for you and I today. His created beings. And there's a verse that shows it right there. What can separate that 
love. Scripture is a powerful thing. It's very powerful. With eternal security may come questions. And the one question that I definitely wanted to cover today was in the Hebrews chapter 6. We're not going there yet. But it's, what about those that have fallen away? I want to understand and answer some of the questions that may be running through your mind. Again, this message was first delivered in 2010. Can you believe it that that was 13 years ago? Yeah, some of you are looking like, yeah, we did the math. No, I'm having that moment right now like that was 13 years ago. Some of y'all wasn't even born wherever you're at. It's, it's hard for me to, to grasp that in my mind of how enduring the word of God is for two reasons. It's, it's everlasting. It never ends. It never changes. But it also endures bad teaching and bad uh, 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 exegete of the text. You've seen it. I've seen it in our culture. Have you seen people that started off strong, perhaps, in their walk with the Lord? In fact, a lot of times we forget that we're to walk with him, not run ahead of him. And that's what happens. We run, we tend to run ahead of him. And we've seen people that have started on this path. You've seen in the last handful of years, Christian pastor celebrity, rock star pastors that are walking away from it. What about those whose faith just simply run out? Now, if we're going to be honest, and the Bible really addresses the human condition, we're going to have ups and downs and peaks and valleys. The devil tempts, but God tests. And when you're up and down, and you may be thinking, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for so long. We were talking in, in Faithful Life this morning how that uh, uh, familiarity can breed mediocrity. When you've been in something long enough, you get kind of like, it doesn't really stimulate me much more. And that happens. We, we try new things. We try new hobbies. And like, it's the greatest thing ever. I've done it. And then in time you go, yeah, that was good for a while. That served its purpose. Be careful that you don't do that with your walk with Jesus Christ. It served its purpose. We get inundated with other influences so much so that it can stifle out and warp your thinking toward our God. Watch what happens. What happens if our faith runs out? We're going to be touching on this Romans 8.37 here again in just a moment. But you've seen what I'm talking about. Picture sometimes people's faith, and I'm keying in on that word faith for a moment, runs out. Picture it, uh, sometimes people's faith is like a battery. It just runs out. And perhaps they're not rechargeable batteries. They just run out. I'm grateful this morning I got on the scale... And it kept coming up error, error. And I'm going, I'm not liking this. I realized the battery was running out. It was a digital scale. Sometimes they just run out. And you may be grateful for a battery that runs out on your scale. I get it. I'm, I was nervous. Even in churches, I would say believers that accept eternal security, and even those that don't, would agree that true salvation saved by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. 
Take that off the table. Take your works right off the table. Over 150 time, times Bible, teacher, Bible teaches salvation by, by the words faith or believe alone. If salvation is gained through believing in Christ, doesn't it reason that they would lose their salvation if they stopped or quit believing? So let me, let me set that up again. Then we're going to pick up the Romans 8 text. If, it, if, it, if, it, if it's a true statement in your heart and mind that you're gained the access to God, you have the good graces of God through believing in Christ, then what happens if I stop believing in his resurrection? What if, doesn't it just run out? You know, John 4, 6, 47 says, he who believes has eternal life. Doesn't it follow then that he who does not believe does not have eternal life? I'm setting you up a straw man here to think these things through. Here comes the doctrine. Really, it dovetails with soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. The Bible teaches that his love for his people is of such a magnitude. When I say his people, I don't just mean Israel. I mean his creation that even those who walk away from the faith, you do not have the slightest chance of slipping from his hand. Look at Romans 8.37 again. 8.37. Now I understand that this teaching could separate some. There may be some watching on Facebook right now that are hearing this and going, I don't know where this guy is going. Um, Twelve devices are watching right now on Facebook. And some may be hearing this for the first time. Others may be hearing it. They may be hearing this tomorrow or uh, later in the week. And you're going, I've never heard that. Or that's not what I believe. We're going to look at what the Bible says today. We're going to look at what you should believe according to the Bible. Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things. What, what is all these things that's referring to? God's everlasting love. Look in verse 31, following down to 36. That's what is exactly in all those things. He loves us. That's not even debatable when you look at the Bible. He loves John 3, 16. And I can think of the book of James. I can think of um, over and over again. He talks about how that love is at the forefront of God's attribute. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to believers. That's who he's writing to. The real question is, what's the relationship between believing and salvation? Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither life nor death. Look at the extremes. Angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come. Height, death nor any other created thing shall be able to separate. Nothing can separate us from what? From salvation? From the love. So what's the relationship then between believing and salvation? The word faith is a key ingredient in believing. I'm going to have you turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're new to scripture, it's go to the right. Go to the right. Ephesians, it's a little bit tucked away. Hopefully, if you're a member of our church, your Bible should pretty much 
fold right there. It should somewhat open in that address anyways. Of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. Very familiar portions of scripture. You got it. But watch, somebody's going to be rattled today in a good way when you recognize the relationship between believing and salvation. If you want to see a relationship of believing, watch what Ephesians 2 has for us. Because you want to see that faith is a key ingredient. Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. Say mercy. Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages, that word ages, by the way, I looked it up, uh, it means in perpetuity. That, that includes past and future. That in the ages to come, future looking, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, these next two verses you've heard a whole bunch of times. You've heard them. Don't let that be the mediocrity of being too familiar. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what happens a lot of times? Verse 10 doesn't get quoted or read much. Verse 10 gets a little snuffed out. Now, I'm, I'm not doing, going there this morning because it's, 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 I want to stay on our point, but there's a purpose for what God's up to in verse 10. He's writing to believers. What is that relationship? The reason God made us alive was his love. Look in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. His love was the reason he made you and I alive. We struggle with this concept. We, we really do. Because it's a spiritual endeavor. And and we, we, I think it's easier when we're younger to understand alive and the older we get and the more it gets harder to do things and, and we know that we're not going to live on this earth forever, it gets harder to understand. How can I be alive when my body's going the other direction? How's that work? It's a spiritual endeavor. To be made live has nothing to do with your outward appearance. His love. Why is it important to emphasize his love? Because the reason, or the, should say, motivation behind our salvation is love. It's not your faith. It's not your faith. If I, I don't have enough faith in order to be saved. It's his love is the motivation, not the level of your faith. We're going to talk about faith in just a moment. But you know, one of my favorite verses here is actually verse 5. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead... In trespasses. You know what dead means? Dead. Dead means lifeless. I had just recently come across um, a field, a mouse, that was dead. Now you may think, oh, okay, good. You, you, you probably saw it and you got rid of it. I did, I got rid of it. 
come across a mouse that was dead. But you know what I noticed? When something, we, we have uh, pest control and things like that in our lives. We have it here even. As um, we want these varmints and critters out of our lives. But when we come across a dead mouse or something of that nature, oh good, it's dead, let's get rid of that thing. But what happens if you don't find that thing for about three or four days? A week? Smells can be bad. Now listen, that's the better picture of what something being dead is like. Lifeless. We were dead in our trespasses. Not freshly dead where it's, I can discard that and move on with my life. But that kind of dead that disrupts our lives. He made us alive in verse 5 when you were lifeless. Made us alive together with Christ. Faith is not the reason God saves man. Love is the reason. Amen? Amen. Remember that. Remember that. God's motivation of salvation. We did nothing to motivate God to love us. I know we've kind of worn out our minds on how... I don't know why God loves us the way he does. We're arrogant. We think we're not as bad as we really are. Not as bad as them. I, I, I'm worn out on trying to give illustrations on, on that very point right there. When you embrace the fact that you were dead, lifeless, and then he motivates and moves and quickens and made us alive together in Christ. His motives, not your motive, his motive, God's motive is, they, they are intrinsic. They're from within his nature, not beyond. And he has compassion on us. Let me give an example. Again, examples can override sometimes the text. We put so much emphasis on these things. But a good example for us, because many of you have done this, if you were to stop and help a stray dog or a, uh, an animal, a fallen baby bird, maybe you've done that. We've done, our, that, done this in our household. When we were in Missouri, there was a baby squirrel. Remember that? Baby squirrel. And it was like, I think it was stuck on our screen door. I think. Is that right? And it was this day big. And I come in, and I'm going, don't bring it in the house. That's not coming in the apartment. You want to guess what happens? Yeah. You get out the tissues. You get out the shoe box. We're going to nurse it back and all these things. We've had dogs come into our yard that I would, I'm going to get it out, get it out, because the longer it stays, and if, what's the first cardinal sin you could do with a stray animal? Feed it? I was going to say name it. Once you name it, it's yours, man. I knew a guy, uh, I knew a family that had this cat. Guess what the name of the cat was? Freebie. You want to guess how they got the cat? <laughs> they fed the cat, and they're like, there's the freebie. We... If you were to stop and help a stray dog or, or an animal like that, in some small, weird way, you've mirrored God's compassion for us, doing what you don't have to do. Now, this illustration would probably fall way short for, say, the Bovey family. There are like no animals in the house. Am I right on that? Amen. No, no compassion for stray dogs at the Bovey house. 
But I also want to be careful because in that illustration, it's a, I don't know if it's a good comparison of what God did for us. But it's something we can definitely identify with in our human emotion. Let me give an example of God's grace, uh, Christ's grace. Ephesians 4, 8. Look a page over of chapter 4 and verse 8. Look at this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. It's quoting John, uh, Psalm 68. Unmerited favor and implies that grace is the instrument used to accomplish salvation. Look in 2.8. Look in chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. What are we learning here? This unmerited favor. That is the instrument that he uses to accomplish salvation. You've probably heard this before. Listen to the weightiness of the scripture. If you're trusting in anything other than complete total work of him, which is a gift to you, you're going to fall short. You're going to run out of gas. Your battery, your faith battery is going to run out. And you're going to feel and be disconnected from God. You're going to feel that disconnection. If you were to ask, how did you, if you were to ask God, how did you save me? Well, you would know that how. And he would reply, grace is how I saved you. He could reply. The word grace summarizes the whole process of salvation. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension. And in verse 8, the gift. It is the gift. Say gift. 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 You know, it's interesting about gifts. Some people are good gift givers. Other people are good gift receivers. Right? They like to get gifts. I'm a terrible gift receiver. I don't like to receive gifts per se. I don't know why that is. Uh, but two questions just got answered. One, why did God save us? Because he loves us. How did God save us? By his grace. Now, why am I sharing that? Because what happens, remember when I set you up and said, what happens when our faith runs out? That person did so good, but now it's just kind of running out. That answers those questions for us. Verse 4 is interesting of Ephesians chapter 2 because it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. It does not read like this. It does not read because of our great abiding faith with which we trust him. That's not how it reads. It, 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 it doesn't read, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of our great faith. Your faith's going to roller coaster. It does not read, but man who is rich in faith because of man's great faith. It doesn't read that way. It reads the exact opposite. Faith is not the reason God saves mankind. Love is the reason. Say love. Listen, your love today. We've had bad examples of love in our life. That word has been cheapened, heightened. Uh, it's just been beyond watered down. Way beyond what God ever intended. 
What's God's purpose of salvation? Look in verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in where? Christ Jesus. We believers might be the, might be the eternal objects of God's kindness. Two words that stand out in verse 7. Towards us. Those are the two words that are screaming at us today. His love goes way beyond saving a stray dog or a squirrel. Way beyond that. Way beyond pity. He did not save us just to keep us out of hell. Hello? He saved us to guarantee an eternal relationship with us. He wants you to have a, that eternal relationship. I will not leave you. You're messed up, but I'm not going to leave you. Amen. Your thinking's all messed up. You're doubting me, but I'm not going to leave you. You're cussing me right now, but I'm not going to leave you. You're doing everything that I've commanded you and asked you not to do, but I'm not going to leave your side. We will continue to be recipients of his kindness, verse 7, of his kindness in the ages. And there's that word. I, I wanted to look that up. And I did. And in Strong's Concordance, the, the simplest definition is in perpetuity. That's what that word, that in future, to come, he might show his exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You're like, great. Man, while I'm on the earth, the rest of my days on this earth is going to be peaches and cream. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you. But let me tell you what it does allude to, which we often forget. Eternal. Eternity. The, we look, read Revelation and over and over and again. And I was reminded by this this week. Not only do we win as believers. Can I tell you who else wins at the end of of all what's happening here on earth in Revelation, the church wins. The genuine Bible-believing church wins. I'm going to make this personal here for just a minute. Just because I keep saying you and us doesn't mean that this includes you, perhaps. I'm going to speak to those on Facebook as well. Are you a child of God? You may think yes, and I would ask you this question. How and why? Let's have a conversation about that. How and why? How do you know? Have you accepted Christ as Savior? Have you traded your life for his? I'll never forget somebody had been coming to our church for quite some time. Um, easy, going, easy dude to be around. You want to be around him all the time. But he asked me, eventually, he had been coming for a year or two at least. All of this Bible teaching and getting in each other's lives, he asked me, well, how do I know, how do I get to heaven? Like, when does all this happen? And I share with him, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but I share with him, when you trade your life for his. I took all the church words out of the way. When you trade your life for his, now you're in that right relationship. How do we do that? It's by love. Love's the motivating factor. Grace. But we come by faith. And it's like a light went off. He had heard this a thousand times. Well, it was like a light went off for him. Like, that's when it... Because he had been doing all the things that we're supposed to do. Are you a child of God? 
Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? God's grace towards you didn't stop with forgiveness. His grace will continue beyond. His grace will be poured out on you forever. You may be looking and thinking, yeah, but I see people, the world, family members, friends, and their lives seem to be a little better than mine. Oh, well, let's define better. What's that look like? What does a better life than yours look like? Have more stuff? That tells me you may be putting too much value in your stuff. What does a better life? I look at the world out there, and they, it seems like they, they, they just, they're always smiling and they're always happy. To what end? Do not go by outward appearances. It'll sink you. Outward appearances are so deceiving as we consider walking in him as his grace continues. To believe one could lose salvation is to believe that human beings can frustrate God's eternal purposes. Let me say that line again. And then I'm going to talk about Revelation. To believe that one could lose salvation is to believe that human beings can frustrate God's eternal purposes. If that were true, God should have never prophesied the book of Revelation, Daniel, Isaiah, because we could have messed it up. But he says, these things shall be. God's in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. Where's he at in your life and in your heart? Pastor, what about those who run out of faith or just stop believing? What's the relationship between faith and salvation? Well, we've eliminated several views. Faith is not the reason God saved us love is. We are not saved by faith. Grace is. We pounded that pulpit till it won't go anymore. Verse 8 shares us the good news. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. The key word is through. In the Greek, it has the idea, or it means the agency. It's the agency. My favorite illustration, I've even uh, heard Brad use it. And I didn't really embrace this illustration until I've watched people who work with electric. Here's what I know about electric. There's a switch and there's a circuit breaker. That's the extent of me being an electrician. I can mess around with some other stuff, but I'd rather not. There's people for that. But what we learned is when I watch these electricians, what you don't know about this building right here, there is miles upon miles, that's exaggeration, of conduit. What is conduit? Well, most of you know, some of you may not. It looks like electric, but it's not. It's a pipe. It's a pipe. It's usually galvanized in here, and it's running. It runs the wires at, by code. The conduit does not supply the electric it, it's an avenue it carries it as the wires are on the inside faith is the way yes but god's free gift the conduit to our heart is by grace and here's the amazing thing about grace you can't conjure it up you can't produce it within yourself you can't get it you can't buy it you can't, you can't make it up. There's no ingredients to come up with faith. It's all owned by our God. Amen. He owns it all. He owns every bit of the grace. You're helpless. You know what you are? You're lifeless apart from his grace. You may think, but I show grace to other people. 
Don't, don't confuse real, genuine, unadulterated grace with a good work. You're not saved because you have enduring faith. You're saved because at the moment in time, you express faith in an enduring Lord. Verse, uh, the back part of verse 8, and not that of yourselves. Did you catch that? That's that lifeless thing. There's nothing in you that can produce this. Say, if you're saved by grace, you can't produce the grace. It's a gift. Givenness slash salvation is applied at the moment of faith. That's when it's applied. I'm not a genuine believer today because at a moment in time I expressed faith I, I'm saved because at a moment in time I express faith in an enduring God. Let me tell you something. I shared this years ago. I want to make this again. I want it on record. I'm going to speak personally about me. I never get tired of saying this because it's true. When I step off of this earth, do not wonder where Scotland is. I'm going to be in the presence of God. Not because I've endured or conjured up enough grace. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because of any work that you've seen done. I am going to be in the presence of God because he initiated a work in my heart and I respond to it. And that work, the work that he did was conviction of the Holy Spirit. It led to repentance and it led to an understanding and a believing and a following of Jesus Christ. Now, you may think, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Somebody you know is going to step off this earth probably this week. It's unavoidable. I've checked the records. 100% of human beings are going to die. You're going to step off this earth. What are you going to put security in? I've got to get things right before I die. What's that mean? Oh, i got a will. Okay. You got... I get that. But how do you get your heart right? before you step off this earth when you don't know when it's coming. You're secure in him. His, his, his work that he does in your life. And it says in two, uh, in, in verse, the tail end of verse eight, it is a gift. True gifts have no strings attached. A gift with a condition becomes a trade. It's a gift. To place conditions on the permanency of salvation is equivalent to not believing. And there's so many other scriptures. You look in the, uh, in the, in the Gospels of people. We talk about the sower and the seed and, and what is real and what is not. I want to conclude with this, the gift of salvation. What you do with the gift is a whole other matter. But ser faith serves as a spiritual hands which we receive the gift at a particular time. Let me say that again. Faith serves as our spiritual hands to receive the gift when he does this work in our life. Some of us, perhaps in this room, have had him working in our life and we've ignored or walked away. Some may have never heard it before. I doubt that. But some may have never heard this before. What's so special about Jesus Christ? Because he's grace personified. There's so many more areas I wanted to share, and I didn't even get to the main text that I wanted 
to cover today. But I want you to evaluate your walk with him. Don't compare your walk. Watch, watch what I'm doing here. Be careful with your walk and thinking that that is your salvation. Your walk isn't your salvation. Your salvation is predicated on your faith receiving the gift. The gift of salvation. By grace, but through faith. I want you to value that because it's going to make you secure. And there's a ton of other scriptures that talk about this doctrine that we're just not going to be able to cover in this short amount of time. You need to have a conversation about this. My faith is weak. I'm running out. I've watched people walk away. What do I do with that? You need to be reaching out to your LifePoint Bible study group leader. Reach out. Reach out to me. Let's have that conversation. You may think, it. well, what's, what would a conversation look like with you? It's not like this. It's not me sitting down or, and you listening to me preach at you. It's a conversation. Let's talk through life. Let's talk through the word of God and watch how the two shall meet. I want to encourage the believer today. The church is for the believer, by the way. It's not for the lost. We invite the world to come in to hear and to see. We invite you here. We would love to have a conversation with you as well. But the church is for the believer to be edified, to be sured up. Well, I'm encouraging you today to sure up your salvation today. Think about your security that you have in him as our time gets limited on this earth. The last verse I want to share is verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And there's really no more examples that we could share on that. It speaks for itself. It's a motto. It, it, it's a line that says, speaks for itself. There's no work you can do. Perhaps the highlight of today is hearing that you can't conjure up grace. You, you can't. You're totally relied upon him for grace. And it says, for by grace, you're saved through faith. Let's bow our heads for a moment. We want to conclude again today a little differently as the praise team will be leading us in a song of invitation. It's also a time of prayer, personal adoration of our God, a personal time of gratefulness, a personal time of application. A personal time, perhaps, of realization that he's got you all the way, fully, tried and true. Dear Lord, again, in a catch-can kind of message, didn't even accomplish my personal goal. I pray that your word will have found its way to where you needed it to go, where you wanted it to go. Thank you for this church and being so steadfast and faithful to you. But please do move in our hearts to bring us closer to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with the praise team as they lead us in a song?
Oh.